The following is a podcast from St. George's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. We invite you to support the ministries of St. George's Church through a one-time or reoccurring donation. To give, visit our webpage, www.stgeorgeschurch.org. The word saint is spelled in full. St. George's is a vibrant and inclusive community that is committed to loving God, serving others, and changing the world. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Today is the Feast of the Epiphany, 
one day early, and the culmination of the 12 days of Christmas. The Christmas season began with our glorious celebration on Christmas Eve of the Feast of the Nativity. We had three services that night instead of the usual two, and one on Christmas morning. And we had the highest attendance that we've had in many years. So many people made that happen, and so many people did it so beautifully. Valerie Troiano and the Flower Guild, Anna Alt-White and Solveig Belanja preparing the altar along with the Altar Guild, Emily Davis and the ushers greeting and providing support for everyone in attendance, Tracy Yeager coordinating the pageant at 4 o'clock, Rebecca Hill leading the Angel Choir, Jessica West and Lily Giordano hosting receptions, Davis Jones and the Eucharistic ministers offering communion, Allison Otto coordinating all of the service participants at all of the services, the acolytes and the thoroughfare leading us in procession, Dr. Ben Keasley and the choir singing, the Reverend John Shelato preaching, Elena Keitel preparing bulletins and doing communications, Suzanne Stevens reaching out in creative ways to new folks around us, Janice Jones Porter managing the building, Wardell Mills and Carlton Lomax providing building support. So much energy. We could go on and on on the list of people who made Christmas Eve and Christmas Day so special. And we think about the focus that went into making Christmas worship wonderful for all of us who were able to be there as well as new people outside our doors. And here we are this morning, 11 days later, pondering the significance of it all. Christmas is the gift that keeps on giving, and that's the reason that we need 12 days to really celebrate it and to reflect on it. Today, we look at the mystery of the incarnation, the reality of God coming to us in the flesh, from the perspective of the mysterious wise men from the East that the Gospel of Matthew talks about. The wise men have captured the Christian imagination for hundreds and hundreds of years. We picture them in luxurious garments, bringing precious gifts, and taking an arduous journey from a faraway land, all to discover the meaning of a new star in the heavens, a new star in the heavens. That new star finally led them to Jesus after a very long and winding road. And since they were Gentiles, non-Jews, they didn't even have the benefit of the Hebrew scriptures to guide them that foretold the birth of the Messiah. And yet, and yet, they went on this amazing journey of discovery because something deep within them, something deep within them was kindled when they saw that new star in the night sky. Many of us have had that kind of experience in our own lives. Those moments when something happens and we know without a doubt what we need to do. That's how we normally use the word epiphany these days. A sudden awareness, a deep knowing. God speak to us, speaks to us through these moments of spiritual clarity and urges us to take action often not knowing where the path will lead. 
A few years ago, my husband, Robbie, and I had the privilege of visiting Venice, and we decided to take a day trip to see Villa La Rotunda, a house designed by the 16th century architect, Andrea Palladio, which is located just a few miles outside of Vicenza, Vicenza, a small town in northern Italy. I really wanted to see the house that inspired Thomas Jefferson's design for Monticello and the Rotunda at the University of Virginia. So we took a train from Venice to Vicenza and then had to figure out the correct bus to take us out into the countryside to get to La Rotunda. And Robbie got this all figured out for us at the train station, which bus to take. And then we had to wait about an hour, because it only came once every hour, this particular bus, to get there. And then once we finally got on the right bus, we seemed to take a meandering route through Vicenza, through the whole town, and we were looking at each other like, oh, I wonder if the bus driver really understood where we wanted to go. So we weren't really sure about the whole thing, but finally we started going out on this country road, and so we became more hopeful. And he stopped and dropped us off just on the side of the road and told us that we should go up a hill and that that's where it was. And we weren't really sure, again, whether he really understood where it was that we were trying to go. But we got off with nothing else around us and started walking up this hill. There weren't any signs or markers, and we weren't sure we were actually going in the right direction. And after all of this uncertainty about the bus and the route and whether we were going to the right place, we finally got to the gate of this historic house, only to find out that they were closed for a three-hour lunch break. <laughs> we were feeling a little bit grouchy at this point, as you can imagine, but we remembered as we were standing there talking about what we should do, that there had been a sign pointing up another drive along this hill to another historic house. So we thought we might as well pass the time and check that out while we were waiting for them to reopen. It ended up that deviation in the plan ended up being a major highlight of our trip. We had a beautiful lunch sitting outside on the terrace by the little cafe at this other house. And we looked out from the terrace onto a gorgeous, breathtaking view of rolling mountains and beautiful trees once we finally got back to La Rotunda some hours later, we discovered that it was indeed an absolutely amazing house, but that the view in the distance had been marred by recent development. Palladio, among other things, was famous for situating his buildings in pristine settings and designing them to flow in and out of the surrounding landscape. What we had seen at the nearby other house was actually more like what Palladio would have seen as he was designing La Rotunda. If the caretakers had not been taking their lunch break when we got there, we would never have gone to the other house and seen what Jefferson may have seen as he was thinking about home, looking out onto those mountains and those trees it looked so much like the Blue Ridge Mountains 
and how he wanted to take Palladio's design and use it as his inspiration for Monticello and the Rotunda in Charlottesville, both of which are still considered masterpieces of the convergence of architecture and landscape design. The spiritual journey is never a linear one. The spiritual journey is never a linear one. There are always lots of unexpected surprises along the way. The wise men didn't even know what they were looking for, but they knew that the star was leading them forward and that its meaning would be revealed if they were faithful to the journey. They knew that a force far beyond them was calling for a response deep within them. They believed in their journey even when there weren't any external markers that they were on the right path. The 20th century poet T.S. Eliot says it so beautifully in his poem, Four Quartets. There are only hints and guesses, hints followed by guesses, and the rest is prayer, observance, discipline, thought, and action. The hint half-guessed, the gift half-understood, is incarnation. We will never, ever fully comprehend the beauty and the profundity of what God has done for us in the incarnation and God's mysterious work through it. The timelessness of God intersecting the timeline of human history. The incomprehensibility of God coming to us in the personhood of Jesus Christ. The richness of God shining forth from the poverty of a manger. The power of God coming forth from vulnerability. Even though we will never understand the enormity of God's work in the world and in our lives, we do have the 2,000 years of witness of the church to guide us. That is our guiding star. The story of the wise men's journey reminds us of the importance of developing our capacity for wonder and awe. We are all born with that capacity for wonder. It's essential to our humanity, and it's absolutely essential to Christian faith. There is so much in this life that can be explained, and so much more that absolutely cannot be explained. So we come together week in and week out to practice wonder and to support one another in our search for meaning, a journey that takes us to some unlikely places, a manger, a cross, and an empty tomb. And we know that God is with us in our places of new birth, our places of suffering, and our places of resurrection and new beginnings. Christ's story intertwining with our story and our story with Christ's story, giving our journey context and direction and increasing our capacity for wonder as we look for the manger in Bethlehem against the backdrop of a dark sky, bright with stars leading us forward. 
wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is this child born king of the Jews? Because we saw his star at its rising and we have come to pay him homage 